everyone. This is Brayden and Tally with the voice of my beloved podcast. Haven't been out in the studio much lately. It's good to have you back, Tally. I missed you. <laughs> I've been missing the studio, but you know what? It's been kind of fun homeschooling my children full time and not having quite as many distractions. I still have quite a few, but <laughs> yeah, it's been a good, it's actually been a, a nice quiet season here. We have, we have about 20 people that are normally here, part of the community that are all in Israel right now at the Grape Harvest with Hayuvel. And um, yeah, it's just a little more laid back around around here. It's been, it's been good. We had an Above Rubies uh, conference a couple weeks ago, and that was super fun. We really, really enjoyed it. We had a lot of people come back from last year, and uh, yeah, it was, it was really nice uh, kind of just getting to know people, getting to fellowship, and Colin and Nancy are just awesome, and they, uh, they're amazing. I just, they're such an inspiration to me. <laughs> I want to to be like them one day, just so fiery, so full of truth, um, and yet so full of love and fun and spunk. It's it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a great time there. Um, last week we went to um, out in Marshfield, which is about three hours west of us here, and we did a little homesteading expo. We went to a homesteading expo out there, and that was. That was pretty fun. Got to meet a lot of people. Got to share with a lot of people about Harpen Farm, uh, which we're always thinking about right now. uh, And just uh, getting ready. um, Just in our own thinking, just have planning, uh, seeing what, what, what kind of things we need to start working on to get ready. Very excited about the program. Plowing the fields, getting ready to plant for yeah. next spring. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, we're going to build a greenhouse here soon. And uh, that'll be a fun addition to the the farm here. Um, yes, getting my hernia fixed. I can work. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've had a hernia for about sixteen years. Yeah. And finally, I got to, got it fixed just the past couple of days. And so I'm a little bit sore from the surgery. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's he's good been to, handling it like a champ, though. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah, in that sixteen years, it's interesting. There was a, a brief time where it just didn't bother me at all. I felt like I was supernaturally healed of it uh, for about two or three years. Yeah. But then it, it resurfaced, and so finally just bit the bullet and had the had the surgery done. Yeah, yep, yep. It's uh, it's been a good recovery. He's been he's been doing well. He's been uh, we're trying to like get him up and about, but but not do too much. So we're working on that balance, right? <laughs> Um, so yeah, so we've also had, uh, you know, we're continuing our, our worship watches here and, uh, it's been, it's been really good. We definitely are, have not as many of our worship leaders here, but it's been, it's been neat to see other people step in and, uh, lead prayer watches. Some people are just playing CDs or just playing some, you know, piano music in the background. Um, but it's, it's nice to be able to keep the fire going here. Um, so it's been a, a good, good thing. Just keep on going. Uh, yeah. So we are today, we're going to be talking about one of the Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 129. Yeah. So just carrying this on, you know, Aaron and I did this, uh, leading up, uh, just, you know, been trying to kind of lead up to Sukkot with this whole uh, series on the Psalms of Ascent. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, just this was the Psalms of Ascent. It's about Psalms about going up, and they were sung going up to Jerusalem. And so these uh, Psalms, we want to continue on this series leading up to Sukkot. But before I jump into this Psalm, I want to read a passage from Luke chapter 24. This is Yeshua. It says, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. So here we see that there are many things written about the Messiah, even in the Psalms. And his sufferings, particularly, that it talks about there. And so this psalm, Psalm 129, it speaks prophetically of his sufferings, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to get into that a little later. But uh, opening up here, Psalm 129, many a time they have afflicted me from my youth, let Israel now say. Many a time they have afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. So looking back at Israel's history, they've gone through a lot of affliction. And I think one of the primary time periods that this psalm is referring to is in Egypt, where they're being you know, beaten as slaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see Genesis 32, 28, it says, And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. So here, this is even how Israel gets its name, that it's there's this struggle, there's this this element that the psalm talks about that, you know, people have tried to afflict Israel, tried to put him under subjection, slaves, but they've not prevailed. Mm-hmm. There's this coming out of it. There's always this coming out mm-hmm. of the slavery. Psalm 34, 19, it says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So this is a part of life. You know, I, I may sound a little pained right now as I'm talking because <laughs> I, I got a little bit of soreness in my belly from this hernia surgery. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, and not just physical afflictions, but sometimes we go through uh, emotional distress, mm-hmm. but, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. That's the hope that we have. We, we continue to cling to hope that God will deliver us out of these afflictions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it also makes me think of just modern day Israel too, um, just out of the affliction of the Holocaust, out of um, just all the anti-Semitism. Uh, there's a lot of Jewish people that have kind of just um, kind of lost their identity and um, kind of walked away from from that whole identity there. Um, but then there were those that said, you know what, we've been afflicted. We've been afflicted, but they have not prevailed against us. And um, those people with that, that warrior spirit moved to Israel and founded <laughs> and, you know, reinstated the, the land of Israel there and, re, you know, has been causing it to flourish and come back to life. Um, and so it's that, that hope that they hold on to, you know, that the enemies of Israel will not prevail. And why is that? It's because God is on their side, you know, and, um, and so, but you know, that the importance of us agreeing with God, I think is, is a real important part of that is, um, being able to recognize, yeah, I've been afflicted. I've been afflicted for my youth, but my enemies will not prevail and being able to really speak that and agree with God that, um, that, that he has the victory. Yeah. You reminded me of the passage in Psalm 119 where David says, it's good for me that I've been afflicted. Mm-hmm. It's such a interesting perspective. He realizes that the afflictions that he's gone through have actually been a good thing for him. Right. 
And it's important, I, I think, in life in general, our afflictions, our sufferings can produce one or two outcomes. And one is that it softens us. We, we worship God. I, I remember the song Jason Upton would sing. He says, in the midst of suffering, there's a God worth worshiping. And on these wings of worship, we will rise. And so there's that one you know, response you know, in suffering. We continue to worship. Our hearts are soft to God. Mm-hmm. We say, God, I'm still going to worship you. I'm still going to love you in the midst of my suffering. The other response is we we can grow hard. Mm-hmm. People can become hard to God because they go, how can a good God allow me to suffer like this? Mm-hmm. And I just finished reading a book about Mark Twain, and he is a little bit of a mystery. Uh, some people can't figure out whether he was actually a full-blown atheist or just agnostic, but toward the end of his life, he had some very bitter things to say about God because he, he went through some suffering. He His business uh, wasn't doing so good. Uh, his as far as his writing business, uh, his, uh, some of his family members died, suffered. He, he lost children, different things like this. And so it, it, the suffering that he experienced produced an anger towards God. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's very important that we have a proper understanding of how to, how to go through suffering yeah. and not become hardened to God through that. Yeah. And it's also the place of victory too. Cause if you succumb to, um, the suffering and just say, you know, and it's like they, your enemies do prevail against you in that place. Is mm-hmm. It's like, wow, yeah, we won. You know, they're bitter, angry, and um, just walking in their own, you know, kind of self-pity. And, um, you know, but if you can say, you know, because you have to admit, you know, when you're being afflicted. <laughs> you know, it's not like he's causing, calling us to uh, deny it. You know, like, yeah, there are times we've been afflicted. We're going through hard times. But may we always be able to say in the end, but they have not prevailed against me. My enemies will not prevail against me. Right. And, and that's how we get the victory. If all we're saying is I'm being afflicted, I'm afflicted, I'm suffering, I'm suffering, I'm, fl- I'm afflicted, the, the enemies are prevailing. Right. It's in, so important to have an overcoming spirit yeah. in the midst of the suffering. Right, right, right. I love this verse in Second Chronicles 33. It says, this is speaking of Manasseh. It says, now when he was in affliction, he implored the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. Uh, affliction can produce humility, as we mm-hmm. see here with Manasseh, mm-hmm. and prayed to him, and he received his entreaty, heard his supplication, and brought him back to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. So sometimes God uses afflictions to even draw us back to himself. I'm even thinking of the prodigal son. You know, He's in affliction. He's out there eating the pods with the pigs, yeah. and God gets his attention. It's like, wow, it's so much better in my father's house. Yeah. Yeah. And it just shows how much, just how important humility is, you know, because it is our pride that goes, I'm afflicted. God has made a bad decision here. You know, I don't deserve this. And, and it's really pride that gets you to the place where it's like, you know, no, I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't believe in this stuff anymore. And, uh, yeah, but in that place of humility, you go, wow, I'm really low right now. I need help. Like, I can't do this on my own. I need, I need help. And that's, a, that's the place of, of humility. Right. Going on to verse 3, the plowers plowed on my back. They made their furrows long. The Lord is righteous. He has cut in pieces the cords of the wicked. And here I just want to point out verse 4. This is what Yeshua says as well. When he's, he knows he's about to go into great agony, great suffering, but he says in John 17, righteous father, 
so we see this echoed here, this, this psalmist here in Psalm 129. So many a times I've been afflicted, yet the Lord is righteous. Yeshua, he knows he's about to go through great afflictions, but he still says, God, you are righteous. And that's the challenge often that the adversary will throw and say, how can God be righteous if, mm-hmm. if we're suffering? Right. And yet Yeshua, who deserved no punishment at all, yet he's being afflicted and he's, he still declares the righteousness of God. Such mm-hmm. a powerful, powerful place to be. Yep. So I want to look a little bit at the, uh, the cords it's talking about. It says he has cut in pieces the cords of the wicked. So the visual picture I want to paint a little bit here is that one of the ideas is that the plow is being pulled by these cords that is being pulled over the back of someone. Mm-hmm. You know, it says the plowers plowed on my back. They made their furrows long. The Lord is righteous. He has cut in pieces the cords of the wicked. So these cords pulling the plow, God comes in at a certain point and breaks the cords that, so that the affliction stops. Mm-hmm. And so there's this uh, quote I want to read. This is from Samuel Pierce. This is a, a, a writer from many years ago, but he says, when the Lord Jesus Christ was in his suffering state and during his passion, these words were predicted of him. These words predicted of him were most expressly realized. While he remained in the hands of the Roman soldiers, they stripped him of his raiment. They bound him with cords to a pillar. They flogged him. This was so performed by them that they made ridges in his back and sides. They tore skin and flesh and made him bare even to the bone so that his body was like a plowed field. Mm-hmm. And so if you, when you uh, study the, even the type of whip that was used by the Romans, the cat o' nine tails, it was a whip that had pieces of glass and bone and things tied to strips of leather. So it would actually make ridges in the backs of those that were beaten with it. And so the psalm is talking about the plowers plowed upon my back. This is a, actually a, a picture of the type of suffering that the, the whip would have made through the back of, of Yeshua. Mm-hmm. It says in Isaiah 53, 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And so this psalm, I believe, is speaking, as I mentioned in the beginning, that the psalms have many things to speak of Yeshua, that he was afflicted with the afflictions of his people. He was, yeah. he was bruised. He was his, the stripes in his back, the, these, these furrows in his back, were for our healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just such an awesome thing that the Redeemer of Israel, the Messiah of Israel, can relate to his people in such a tangible way. You know, mm. it's like this is the people of Israel saying this, the plowers plowed on my back, they made their furrows long. You know, this is what it felt like. And then Yeshua goes, I actually felt that. You know, like I, I understand my people, you know, I'm, and I, and he wanted to, I think he wanted to understand the pain that his, his people has gone through. And, uh, it's just such an awesome thing that that is the redeemer of Israel. That's the Messiah of Israel that, um, that, that understands the pain of his people. Mm -hmm. That's good. Going on to verse five, let all those who hate Zion be put to shame and turned back. So here in this pilgrimage journey that we've been on with this series, you have those who love Zion, uh, spoken of in Psalm 122. You know, it speaks about the, the people that love Zion. And then here we have those that hate Zion. So there's this contrast. And, uh, but here the, the, the prayer is, God, let all those that hate Zion be put to shame and turned back. And then it goes on in verse 6 in the, in the rest of the chapter to describe that, you know, how they would be turned back. It's basically saying that their plans would not succeed. So we look at verse six, 
let them be as the grass in the housetops, which withers before it grows up. So basically it, there's the seed of, of desire, but it doesn't flourish. You know, it is not able to grow because it doesn't have much root. It doesn't have much soil to grow in. Mm-hmm. Verse seven, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor he who binds sheaves his arms. Verse eight, neither let those who pass by them say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Basically saying, don't let the wicked succeed. It's a prayer that those that hate Zion, those that hate Israel, that all their plans of destruction would just be like the grass in the housetop, that they would not mm-hmm. actually come to fruition. Yeah. Yeah, and I love this whole picture too because um, there's such a recognition in this, um, in this psalm that God is righteous, he's in charge, and he, um, he's you know, not allowing the enemy to prevail. But then at the end, there's like a, still a plea. Like, okay, God, so in your righteousness, see what's going on here. See the injustice and do something about it. So, um, so there's there's such a warring spirit there too. Um, and I and I believe that God just loves that to not just be like, well, you know, just do whatever you just think the way is, it is right. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's I guess this is, but to be like, oh God, you're righteous, you're righteous, and we are suffering, and we know in your righteousness that you will not allow this to continue, but still being submitted to his righteousness. Right. And I think that there's such a beautiful balance there of, um, you know, cause our tendency is, well, obviously, you know, he hasn't hurt us. He hasn't, you know, taken down the wicked yet. And, uh, and there's this, you know, thing in, in our, us human hearts, you know, our little bitty brains that can only understand our generation and our, you know, our lifetime that goes, well, we tried. And, you know, I guess, God isn't righteous, you know, and you can come to that conclusion, but you can see in this that there's such a um, submittedness to God is righteous. And in that righteousness, I'm going to call him to, to, to act on behalf of his people. And uh, it's just such a warring spirit, not a, you know, namby pamby laid back apathetic. Uh, It's a warring spirit and an unoffended um, spirit. So may we all have that that kind of spirit in us. Yes. Amen. So pray you're encouraged. If you uh, have any comments or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. We don't hear from many of our listeners uh, that much, but we'd love to hear from you. If you're actually listening and, and, uh, and getting something out of these, just feel free to, to uh, email us. My email is Braden.waller at gmail.com. Or even if you leave a comment on the, uh, on the podcast platform, that that'd be great. Love to hear from you. Yep. So uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah, this is the voice of my beloved podcast, where we believe that hearing and following the voice of the beloved bridegroom king leads to the most abundant and joy-filled life. Blessings. Many a time never afflicted